0: Hello everybody. Welcome to the world-class community show where we invite expert community builders to share their experiences, knowledge and expertise they've built up through the years. And we got, I must say, one of the global experts in (laughs) community building. So we have April McLean uh, joining us today. She's a a self-pronounced community junkie. She uh, built the Maven course on community building for jerks, if I'm correct. Community and uh, yep. yeah, and she is uh, currently responsible for the HubSpot, one of the biggest uh, SaaS companies in the world for the HubSpot community. So she knows a thing or two about community building and managing communities. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show, April.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's really awesome to have you on the show. I've, uh, I've seen your course and I've, um, yeah, I was really impressed by everything you've done in the field. So I'm very happy to have you today.
1: That's cool. I appreciate that.
0: So we always start with an icebreaker, uh, and this is a bit of a personal question, but what community are you a part of that is very unique?
1: I am also a choreographer and dance teacher, and I am in a community called Dance for Film, where we do constructive criticisms and help each other direct uh, dance videos. So that's one of my favorite communities.
0: Okay, wow, wow, that's very specific. Yeah, how, <laughs>
1: yes it is. How
0: did you end up there? Is, is dance your passion or, or how did you...
1: Yeah, I owned a dance studio for about 11 years, so it is a huge part of my life. And I made the jump to doing more produ- producing and directing, um, which is extremely satisfying. So it was through, uh, through somebody that I met that introduced me to the community and yeah, it's made me a better director.
0: Okay, awesome. So let's start with the uh, I would say one of the beginnings of your career, the Hustle, mm-hmm. uh, which is now acquired by HubSpot. Uh, you were managing the Hustle community. Can you talk a bit about what the Hustle was and what the community was?
1: Sure. So trajectory-wise, I was not—I never was employed by the Hustle because I was hired mid-acquisition. <clears throat> so my hiring process was put on hold while they made the uh, the full. Turn and then I, I then it was brought on afterwards. So the Hustle, what is a media company for entrepreneurs? It started as a free daily. Actually, started as an event company, the HustleCon, and then it went into these free daily emails. And the sort of premises: if your cool friend read all the business news that day and just sent you the headlines in their own quippy way, uh, that's how you can summarize the Hustle. Uh, And from the hustle, this premium newsletter product was uh, spun off called Trends. And Trends is this incredible newsletter where every week you get this deeply researched by our head analysts, all the business trends they see on the horizon. So I was actually hired to manage the Trends community, and then they got acquired by HubSpot. So while we can technically say HubSpot community, it remained its own separate community even post-acquisition.
0: Okay, so they brought you on to grow this community and manage this community Correct. a bit, or yeah. Okay, yeah. really cool. So, um, how does your day to day look doing this? How how does a regular day look for April?
1: Uh, there's that cli- not a cliche, but very often you'll hear entrepreneurs talk about this idea of visionary versus integrator, or I don't. They have all these different terminologies for it, and my job just demands both because. I'm it. I'm I'm a team of one. Lots of our teams are teams of one, and I have you know these sixteen thousand people to take care of. So there's this element of you need to be in the community, facilitating conversations, making sure that people are getting responded to, making sure they're getting the value that they're hoping for. Um, sometimes you're diffusing conflict. There's there's all like the actual you have to be in the room with people managing those relationships. And then you simultaneously need to be able to work outside of the room to figure out how you're going to program it. Like who's coming on next? What are they talking about where I can bring in an expert? um, What kind of programs can I implement to protect this community as we scale from denigrating or the reverse network effect? Or so it's, it's like a, it's all over the place. And, And now, especially I'm trying to figure out how to work, more cross-functionally with other departments so that community can thread its way through instead of being its own little island.
0: Okay, so a lot of plates to keep up in the air?
1: Fitting, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: Okay, what uh, what attracted you to community building to start? Did you just roll into it or was it a calling for you?
1: Both, but I didn't recognize it at first. I grew up in foster care. So about 22 homes, just no stability, no sort of belonging. And I fell in love with dance. Um, Dance and and entrepreneurship are like the two that occupy my brain the most. And I ended up opening a dance studio and I didn't realize it at the time. But the reason I fell in love with dance, it was the first therapy that actually worked. Like it made sense, even though I didn't even know it was therapy. Uh, And then the second thing is the development of that studio ended up being the most incredible community that I probably will ever encounter. It's, it's really even hard to think that I'll ever find anything comparable, but dance is just a medium. It's just like a thing that you do. The undercurrent is community, and I find that I over and over again get drawn to opportunities to build community without even recognizing that that's what it is because people connecting to each other is probably the most important thing in the world in my opinion Um, but I'm not very people-y like I get exhausted in crowds, I have a really hard time getting out there Um, but I deeply enjoy facilitating the experience for other people and then watching it happen.
0: Okay that's very specific and I think very recognizable for a lot of people so you Mm -hmm. don't have to be a people person to build communities and facilitate them.
1: Absolutely. I am the not an extrovert by any means. Uh, I, I think that's a total misnomer that you have to be sort of this very people person. What you do need to have is a very strong sense of um, being able to read between the lines and people's behavior. So you can call it EQ or whatever you want to call it, but that sort of uh, understanding nuance in the way that people talk and what they're really feeling is Um, the most important quality and available to introverts, extroverts, ambiverts. It's sort of agnostic that way.
0: Okay, nice, nice. So um, the dancing was really the the kickoff of your career. At what point did you um, realize that this was a skill or an experience that could build a career?
1: Uh Man, well the arts are rough. It is a rough way to make a living. (laughs) You don't see a lot of people who are hoping to accumulate financial freedom go into the world of arts. And that's a totally different debate. What I will say is I opened the studio because I recognize the need for adults to have dance in their life. Almost any given place that you go to, unless it's a major metropolitan area, there will be like a dozen kids studios and none for adults. And I think to the average person, dance classes feel cute, fun, frivolous, maybe someday. They're life-changing. It is life-changing to get into a space with other people and to be fully present because your body has to respond to these cues. Your mind has to uh, respond to, like your muscle memory has to kick in. You have to be in the moment. You can't wander off mentally or physically and it's science that when you have human beings that move in sync with each other even if it's a group of people clapping in sync there's all these things that start to happen um on a, a neuroscience level where these your brain waves actually sync up and it strengthens your empathy so there's this whole realm of expression and humanity that sits inside of dance that i think people don't recognize very often Okay. Oh, that yeah. didn't even answer your question. question.
0: No, no, but it was a very interesting.
1: <laughs> just got excited. <laughs> uh, so when I graduated, I went to a four-year dance program. And when I graduated and realized, oh my gosh, there's nothing for me now. There's no dance studios In my county for adults, my inclination anytime there's not the thing I want is just to make it myself, which is not as cool as it sounds. It's actually kind of annoying, Uh, but I made it, and I'm very glad I did. I wasn't really considering the financial aspect of it, if I'm honest.
0: (laughs) Okay, and at some point, you became a a freelance community consultant.
1: I still am, yep. You
0: still are, so Mm -hmm. what type of companies or people contact you with what type of questions? Can you give a, a, a range of that?
1: Yeah, it started, it wasn't on purpose. It started because I started getting so many inbound requests for help building community and realized, so this is something like people are really starting to catch on to if we're just going to be pragmatists, people are catching on to the fact that community is a huge competitive advantage. I mean, if you're just a pure bottom line person, you can pretty easily recognize that if you build a community around you, that's not going to be replicated as easily. Whereas people rip off services and products all the time. So with that growing recognition, there's all these businesses looking to grow community. And unfortunately they're often looking at it through the wrong lens, um, which is okay. It just takes a little bit of education, but I get, people contacting me in from all sorts of industries Um, uh, I just had somebody contact me who's launching a SaaS product for musicians Um, I just got a a message a couple days ago from someone who's bioengineering plants Uh, there's all the uh, one that is all about divorce Um, and the most common questions I get are either one I launched a community it's floundering it's embarrassing how do I turn it around or i think my business needs a community i have zero idea how to get started those are just the two buckets of things that come through
0: okay and how does uh, your your approach look like do you get very hands on is it a bit of consulting is it okay let's dig together and and look for the root problem because it's it's very interesting to me so um
1: yeah yeah well yeah i suppose the done for you done with you the, the, the nuances there shift. I don't manage communities. So I, I don't do the thing where I hop in and manage your community. I will teach you how to hire a good community manager, but the process is pretty high touch. Uh, I haven't gone the route of productizing this, excuse me, sort of playbook and then just sending it out to the world because so many communities are different. There's so many things to think through. So I will sit with them and we will work through all of those really important initial questions. Like why are these people gathering to begin with? It can't just be because you want your business to have more influence because if that's why you're starting a community, people are not going to be compelled by that. They Quite frankly, don't care about you. They care about whatever this thing you're gathering them to do is. If I would have opened my studio and been like, "Come on through," because infuse is cool, like who cares? But if I'm bringing you together because you all feel uh, really drawn to this certain style of expression, like you all tap or um, world, world dance or whatever, that's that's that exists outside of me. So the first thing that I try to help people understand is like, how does this exist outside of you and your business? And then there's all these very um, tactical choices to make about: is your community model for acquisition? Is it for support? Is it for like what are you hoping objectively to get these people to do? Um, what platform do you need to be on? What are the strategies that you're going to build behind um, programming and experiences? What is moderation going to look like? I mean, there's there's just a slew of questions to work through, and unfortunately. A lot of people just throw up a. Oh, I have a Facebook group and I dump some people in there. Now what do I do? And it's really hard to sort of. Okay, now we got to go backwards because you've you've started a thing and haven't thought about the end yet.
0: Okay, um, what were like the biggest successes you've seen with your clients? Like what were life transforming uh, communities you've built where where even your clients were astonished about the success or or, or the impact?
1: That's a very cool question. Uh, So I'll start with my own community at the studio because that's always the first thing that I think about. The moment that I realized that something big was happening was one day I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw that one of the students at my studio had a recently and had posted all these pictures of this birthday party and she's just beaming and everyone's having a good time and then I realized that about 90% of the people in those photos were people that she met at the studio and just to realize oh this person has built a circle that is now going to change the way that their day-to-day life feels that was that was huge Uh, we had another dancer who had a baby her son passed away when he was a couple days old and she carried that with her for a very long time. Well, as I'm sure forever, but there was one instance where we were putting on a concert and she pushed herself to sort of create this solo about that experience. And to see all of the audience members who are also in the studio know what this was about and people crying and watching her and cheering her on, it's just moments like those that you don't let go of. what could be more satisfying? Why would I ever do anything else besides build community if if those are the things that I've been exposed to? Uh, There was a company that I worked with, uh, I want to say about four months ago, and they were launching a community that was just strictly around work. It was a local community, so it was working within this city um, that had a lot of socioeconomic challenges, and they were bringing in um, high schoolers who were traditionally underserved and setting the, them up with these like quick experiential um, internships to try to expand their view of what would be possible for them. Like what would it feel like to get into this environment? How would I respond to this? And the number of success stories that have come of that, of, of folks that are um, doing better in school and seeing their grades raise and getting into more extracurricular activities, that's one that I, I think is deeply gratifying because that's a that's a forever thing. That's something that will change everyone's lives that participates.
0: Okay. Um, if you start a project to build mm-hmm. a community or, or revive a community, do you discuss certain KPIs beforehand? Do you mm-hmm. say, okay, when we... These are the, the metrics we are going to measure success and are yeah. these... Do you use universal metrics or are they specific per community?
1: I wouldn't say that they're specific per community as much as they're specific per community model. Uh, so there's a list of maybe eight, ten 10 key metrics that you can look at in community, you don't want to choose eight to 10. You want to choose like two, but they are strictly connected to what kind of community that you're going to run. So a couple of examples, and I don't know that these are the actual KPIs. I just know that that's what I would assign for these models. You have a company like Salesforce that has, uh, the trailblazer community. And if I recall that community is a, um, support community. So when you have a question and you're getting started with Salesforce and you don't know what to do, you hop in and it's fellow community members that guide you. So support community, a lot of the KPIs will be something like the r- reduction in support calls to the internal team or the money saved on hiring, um, team members that will have to, uh, provide that assistance. It could be the number of, of problems that are satisfactorily answered. Um, whereas you have something like Red Bull who drives around and these like, zany little cars with big inflatable Red Bulls on top. And they go to parties and they toss out Red Bulls and um, they are acquired. thats like an acquisition model. So they're looking to get people hooked on this little drink and, oh, look how cool Red Bull is. I'm going to start drinking more Red Bull. So that would clearly be tied directly to revenue. Um, the important thing is you do not want to ever launch a community without metrics. If it's for business, if it's for volunteer work or any other thing, you still need metrics, but you're not as bound to the business outcomes. And when communities launch without business outcomes, it's really hard for them to get prioritized and get the support they need from the company at large. Um, and, metrics are kind of fluid in the first few years because there's going to be a lot of learnings that you go through as you watch your, the behavior and um, as you tie it to your business outcomes. So while it's fluid, it has to be present.
0: Okay. Maybe a, a question that's a bit closer to our business, but of course we, we design clothing and we, we facilitate clothing for communities. Have you experienced the effect of merchandise and swag in communities? Or is it something you don't regularly use?
1: You're talking. You are you asking about <clears throat> um, like merchandise-related yeah. communities, or just using merchandise in communities?
0: Using merchandise in communities. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a whole cool system around the way you think about merchandise and swag and rewards and gamification and validating inside of a community, and those can be. Um, those are some of my favorite ways to both recognize and reward members and also give them a bit of like status for themselves. I think unfortunately when it comes to swag and um, rewards, there's a tendency to say either, Oh, I'm going to start rewarding people and sending them cool stuff or incentivizing them so that they'll be more engaged. Or um, it is, I'm going to send you the t-shirt with like my big fat wear this Where They're not going to, so the trick with both of those things is uh, the rewards, swag, and otherwise—they are a response to engagement. They are not a um, propeller of engagement. So understanding that engagement comes from something else, and then those are tools to like reinforce the status that that community member has built, and then also sending them something that they would really be proud to wear, like they're going to display this thing. I, how many of us have like drawers or buckets of like? bad t-shirts and bad crap that we've been given like why did you waste your money on that you know for a fact we're all not going to march around in that so those are those are like the two nuances around merchandise i think hoodies man everybody loves hoodies if i went in when in doubt <laughs> send a hoodie
0: send a hoodie Yeah. Or a, or a pair of socks you can't lose with a pair Sox. of socks
1: good <laughs> socks can never get enough yeah
0: well great you just uh, covered our full pitch so uh <laughs>
1: I'll send you my invoice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: that's, that's exactly the challenge. We uh, always have to explain to our clients that, well, just, just picking a crappy shirt and, and slapping your logo on it Ugh. doesn't really qualify. And it's better just to not waste the money on that.
1: It's awful. It is truly awful. Yeah.
0: Okay, but it's cool to see that, that, that you also have the experience with merchandise and it reinforces the, the community feeling. That's something we all also strongly believe in. Um, we had yeah.
1: a, this series of shirts that I had designed at the studio that were all messages that could only be read in the mirror. So when you're, because when you're in a dance studio, you're all looking in the mirror together. So it was messages to each other or to yourself. And our logo wasn't even on it. We had like our little baby icon like somewhere in there and hidden in one of the letters. But it wasn't about logo at all. It was about giving people this sense of connection to each other. And I still get the The studio lives on. I sold it, so I still see their videos, and I still see people wearing those shirts in those videos. It's uh, much more powerful than like a pen that they would have thrown away the next day.
0: Yeah, and certainly if you have this legacy of merchandise, and they yeah. they got like the first edition, we see it here okay. internally because well, we have to do it a lot because. It's, it's, a, it's what we do. And we have around five, six collections a year internally. Mm. And it's really a status symbol that you get these old, cool collections. the first collection. one, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really, really fun. Um, so, of course, we all know uh, COVID happened. For community mm-hmm. builders, it was quite a challenge uh, to manage this. Certainly, your experience was in a dance school. So, this yeah. means physically together. Uh, how did you how did you switch to remote or how did you keep the communities alive during this period?
1: Oh, it was so brutal. God, just thinking about it. Uh, so there was a few things that happened that I think we got lucky with. Um, first of all, just managing a community in a time of crisis of sorts is one of the challenging things about that is you too are experiencing the depletion. So you're trying to take care of people um, you're running a business, so you're trying to keep them engaged. Um, you're trying to manage their emotions, but you're also um, having all of those experiences. And as a side note, if you manage a community manager, if you have a community manager that reports to you, you have to really, really take care of them to prevent burnout because it is a position that can – you just get worn out because you're busy taking care of everybody, and then it's 10 o'clock and you go to bed and you haven't tended to yourself at all. Um, I have lots of days like that. But in at the studio – We did the thing that all studios did for a minute or all businesses did where we hopped onto Zoom and it was just such a bad experience that it almost exacerbated things versus helping because now this thing that people used to enjoy communally, you're putting them in this other faux communal environment that directly interferes with everything that's fun about dancing in a room with people. Like you're, first of all, you're not with them. Zoom has all of these latency issues. So it's not like you can have really high quality sound. You would watch a class and because everybody's internet is slightly different, no one's in sync. So it's really chaotic. I mean, and nobody wanted to talk. So the teachers would just come in and feel like barren in there. It's just, it was awful. So the, one of the things that I did early on, which I'm so glad I did is realize this, Zoom thing is not reflective of the quality of our studio. So I invested a fair amount of money to hire an audio and video engineer who worked with me to develop an entire sort of system inside of the studio, the, the mixer, the, um, all the equipment that we would need. Um, we got, uh, some custom, uh, code for our website that allowed people to, so the, anyways, long story short, the experience transformed because the way that we set things up, we got off of zoom, people could watch live, really high quality sound, video and audio, no latency. We had a custom chat made so that you can talk to your dance teacher in real time. So you would see, Dance, dance, dance. The teacher would walk over towards the camera, check the chat, answer any questions, go back. They would be able to interact with you. They saw your name. And it ended up creating a stream of revenue that started to surpass our brick and mortar. Because even after we returned post COVID, there were so many cities out there where people don't have access to dance as an adult that we were able to expand our reach and then offer all kinds of cool, unique experiences that we can't inside the studio. So it turned out good. (laughs) <laughs> but the middle part was just emotional torture.
0: Okay. <laughs> you, I can imagine, yeah. It, it, was, uh, well, it was a challenge everywhere, of course. Yeah. But I love to ask this question because if you're used to having a lot of face-to-face meetups, it changes the whole dynamic. It comes with a lot of challenges. I had other conversations where they said it gave an, Im- an impressive boost to the community. Mm. because it was, was, for example, a community of freelancers and they were just too busy with work every day and then COVID hit. So they had to find Mm -hmm. new ways to find um, jobs and to find uh, uh, projects. So they hopped on these communities
1: and they stayed. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great point. We did, as as you said, that I just remembered some of the stuff that we ended up doing was for my dance company, my performers, we would go on and play like Jackbox TV together, something we never would have done before our teachers every other week would host happy hours. So they would get on zoom with whoever wanted to show up and just chat about nothing. And you never get to just chat with your teacher and just hang out that way. So that there was loyal diehards that were there every time. Um, that kind of stuff, that type of spirit lifting carries more weight than I think people realize
0: okay so you have a, a personal community yourself so you manage communities for other companies but you have a podcast you have your your presence you have your maven course um, mm-hmm. so you have a, a brand around yourself and a community how do you combine this how do do you manage it differently personal your personal community
1: I do not have a community of my own uh, because a podcast audience is not community I um, This is my first Maven course and aside from that, the work that I've been doing has been independent. So there's not been a place that I've sort of corralled people in. Um, That will certainly change um, and soon, but that doesn't exist and I'm glad because I don't think right now with everything on my plate, I would be able to give a community what they deserved. Um, But in the next couple months, there'll be a lot of changes in that direction.
0: Okay, so do you think there's a big difference between an audience and a community?
1: Night and day. Yeah. So an audience is one to many. Um, and a uh, community is many to many. So the people that listen to your podcast are not a community. But if you can get them into space where they can connect with each other over what it is that you talk about, now you're starting to convert them into a community.
0: Okay. Well, that's a very good uh, definition, I would say.
1: It's not mine, but thank it's you. It's not yours. <laughs> well,
0: you, sh- you shared it. So a little I bit of credit. It, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, we talked about a lot of different things. What are some of the key points that uh, aspiring community builders should learn from this episode with you?
1: Well, geez, how long do we have? Um,
0: As long as you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Two hours later. (laughs) Um, Okay, Okay. a couple of my voice is echoing to myself and it's so funny because i don't love the sound of my voice so i keep going ah ah <laughs> uh, a couple of key key points here the first is that everybody everybody is an emotional creature and everybody cares about what people think about them and everybody cares about their status in a community and it is a gross mistake to ever think that someone doesn't care is stoic um doesn't care about being liked, the people that say that they don't want to care about being liked or they don't care about being cool are the people that care the most. Because when you don't care, you just don't even talk about it. It doesn't even cross your mind. And I I bring that up because the community that I manage right now, Trends, is um, thousands of entrepreneurs and and owners that are very uh, tactic-driven. They're very ambitious. They're hungry for learning. And it can often look like these are people who are not emotional creatures. Um, And that is a mistake. Because if you start to think that, you will miss out on opportunities to develop your community in a healthy direction. Every one of them is just as mushy as the next. It's just presentation. Uh, Another point that I would clarify is when you do run a community, there's all these... um, behavioral things that you start to debate about are, am I a neutral party am I managing this community is my role to be sort of a neutral party in the way that I direct this um there's probably other opinions my opinion is absolutely not neutrality is um really death to a community and that's why I called my course community building for jerks is like you have to kind of be a jerk if you're going to, to like hold the line that keeps your community in place uh and then I think the third thing that I would say is it's 10 times harder than you think it's going to be to build a community. And if you launch a community without a solid plan, what happens later is when something else comes up, you'll abandon it for a little bit because it's, you didn't have a solid plan. You don't really know what you're doing with it. So you, you, you'll you deprioritize it. And it's ve- I want to say almost impossible, but that might be almost impossible to bring it back, to come back in and recover that community because you've already built this uh, conditioning that you're not gonna show up every day. So if you're not prepared to show up every day and if you're not prepared to obsess over this subset of people, which means one, you don't get to obsess over everyone, you don't get to make something that's for everyone, just these people. And if your only goal is to market what you're building to them, all of those are just non-starters. So just recognizing just the sheer volume of work that's involved in launching a community. Now, it's very gratifying. You're building something that will change people's everyday habits, which is huge, but you got to put in the work to get there.
0: Okay. So uh, don't underestimate it.
1: Don't underestimate it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so yeah, a lot of good advice um, for the listeners. Then we always have the critical thinker at the end. A very, <laughs> a very tactical question, I would uh-huh. say. Um, and this one is: if you were hired, uh, which is your day-to-day <laughs> yeah. life, I would say, by a startup or a brand that nobody knows yet, so mm. it doesn't have any any traction or credibility, what would your first steps in the first 30 days be? To build
1: a community great so the first step is always nailing down that mission component like why do you even want to gather these people together if you can articulate to me why these people should be what you're gonna bring into their lives <clears throat> that they won't have otherwise then we have a solid starting point point. Um, and that doesn't mean I won't help you develop that but it's really difficult it's really difficult to get anything off the ground. If you just have a vague sense, I'll uh, put this into practice. Um, I was sent a LinkedIn message a couple days ago. or no, I'm sorry, a couple of months ago by a company who wanted to offer me a community director job. And in the message, they were talking about their company and what they do. And they said, you know, we, we need to hire a director of community. Um, we're not really sure what the community is about, but we know it's good business practice. And it was like, there's no way I would take on that nightmare. <laughs> you don't even know what you, you just kind of have a vague sense that it's good. That's horrible. Uh, so getting that mission nailed down first, um, is critical. Making sure that you understand how it ties back to your business outcomes is critical. Uh, and then the next thing that is super underrated is helping people understand how to own a topic in a community's mind. Because in this sense it doesn't matter that your startup is brand new. Whatever your startup is, if there's a topic that you can own, so let's say you are um, a a startup in the legal industry that is hoping to revolutionize, I hate that word, the way that people handle prenuptial agreements. Um, You don't need to start a community that says, whatever the name of the company is, like remarkable pairs, LLC, nobody knows what that is and it doesn't even matter. But if you can own the topic of prenups, if your thing is about intelligent, empathetic, prenuptial agreements, You can own that topic and you can start to get your first 100 community members in with relative ease because you don't have to explain who you are. It doesn't have to be about your company. There's millions of people who need to sign prenups every year. That's a totally made up statistic, but you can tap that community. So owning that topic and that way going forward, people think prenup, they think of your community. And uh, the next couple steps would be more pragmatic. They would be around developing the community identity values, the rules, um, the social identity. So how are you going to program your community to where they enter and they go through this social identity cycle? Um, they identify with other members and then they participate and then that participation gets validated. And so now they identify even more with other members. So it's this, um, cyclical sort of loop that strengthens your community, um, that would be the most important first five steps to me.
0: <laughs> Amazing and very practical, as I hoped. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I I think it's very valuable to, to first think of the why. It's, I think the example you gave with the LinkedIn message, uh, I think it happens so much. Oh, this community thingy looks interesting. Let's hire somebody to fix it for us. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing it because somebody says we have to do it
1: yes exactly the boss thinks it's a good idea Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so this i think this is one of the biggest traps in community building that it's more about the brand than about the people
1: yeah i agree and i always wonder what a lot of these companies would look like if they had community first approaches if you built a community around that owning that topic and then developed your business out of that. I mean, there's, there's obviously drawbacks to that as well, but it does feel like it would serve the purpose a bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. Thank you, April, for this fantastic conversation. I uh, learned a lot, as expected, to be honest. I had high yeah. expectations, and you met them and, <laughs> uh, and o- overachieved. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much, and I hope one day we can meet in person um and and conversate further on this topic where are you in belgium so um
1: i'm very down for a belgium trip that sounds wonderful yeah you're (laughs) welcome
0: i'll I'll guide you here and i'll show you the best uh, the best (laughs) spots
1: that sounds fantastic thank you for having me
0: have an amazing day and thank you very much
1: you as well